The Holy Gospel according to the 17th chapter of St. Matthew. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good to be that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Brothers and sisters, in my family's time in the Midwest, in our travels to the Rocky Mountain West, and now in our life here with you on this mountain in California, I've begun to believe that there are certain Bible texts that are helpfully read in certain locations, certain geographies. Take Psalm 23. You know it well. Let me give you a couple of verses, though, again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I wish I could read that with you on a spring day in West Michigan, where we spent our last 11 years before here. I take you to Grand Ravines County Park, beautiful paths, the still waters of the Grand River, and in a green the likes of which we just don't typically see up here. That would be the right text for that right location. Or, or I'll never forget a family camping trip out west. We were in Vernal, Utah, outside of there at Dinosaur National Monument camping. Kids were long asleep. I was in the tent. Megan was in the camper. And neither of us was sleeping because it was 1230 at night and it was still 102 degrees. The hottest, driest camping I've ever done. By day, we would go into town and find things to do. We even went to church on this vacation there, a little Lutheran church in Vernal, Utah, because it was cool. And in church on that morning, they read for us Isaiah 43. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And I will make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. Oh, Vernal, Utah, a place that could use some springs and some new rivers and a new cool way of the Lord. And then for us today, I can say this, we are the right people in the right place for today's text. For today, Jesus leads Peter and James and John up this high mountain. And in the course of things, a cloud covers them on that mountain. I think this is the right people in the right place in the right text, because even this last week, if you're around town, you probably saw this very thing, right? Maybe, maybe looking at the ski hills at times covered over 
by those clouds, and I'm told we're going to get a bit more of that this week. Of course, the text is bigger than just Peter and James and John and a mountain and a cloud. As I said, and as the text came to us, it's Jesus who led him there. And hey, it's good to be led by Jesus. But Jesus was changed before their eyes. He was transfigured, hence this Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday. His face as the sun, his clothes white as all get out, you might say. And I'm thinking to myself this week, this is pre-bleached cotton. This is pre-woolite. This is pre-oxyclean. This is pre-20-mule team borax cleaner, right? From not so far away, Boron, uh, California. And behold, here's Jesus in a white that they cannot imagine. And there appearing with him are Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses is long dead, but here he is alive talking with Jesus. Moses is not only long dead, but the people of God never have found his grave. For we all like to know where the graves are of our loved ones or or those amongst us with high stature. But here also is Elijah who has no grave because the Lord took him up still alive. And here they are on this mountain talking with Jesus. What a sight. Now, if we've been following Matthew's Gospels, it's been several long years for Peter and the other disciples in following Jesus. Several long years. They've been hearing a lot about glory and a kingdom, but I don't think they've been seeing much of it. And yet, here in this moment, they see the beginning of an unveiling, right? Of something different, something better, something great. And in fact, it's so great that that Peter, moved by the moment, moment rather, decides to interrupt. Now, the surprising thing here, I think, might be that it wasn't just Peter who interrupted, but why not James and John? These are the sons of Zebedee, if you remember, the sons of thunder. But it's not them who thunders. It's Peter who thunders. He speaks up, he interrupts, and he says, Lord, it's good that we are here, and if you wish, I will make for you three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. But Peter isn't allowed to even finish his speech, his big idea for God. The text goes on to say this, He was still speaking, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This one, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter barely lets out his little bit of thunder when God the Father lets out his true thunder. Oh, we are the right people with the right text in the right place today. We're the right people because uh, we give Peter company, don't we? We're the right text because uh, not only does it tell us of Peter in that moment, that time, but it tells us a bit about ourselves today. And here is God, the Father, who speaks to us now even as he spoke to Peter then. For Peter had been walking with Jesus for some time, as I said. He'd been hearing about fantastic things, and yet life with Jesus hadn't ever seemed to climb to such heights. And the same is true for us, right? You've heard it before. Maybe you've said it to other people. You say, isn't life with Jesus just the best, right? Or maybe we're trying to sell Jesus to somebody, and we say, just give Jesus a try, right? As if he's that new OxyClean that'll make your life better. And yet for those of us named by Jesus, following Jesus, led by Jesus, 
There's still quite a bit of doubt and disappointment in life, isn't there? Still quite a bit of disease and depression. There's still birth and struggle and age and dying and death. And there's still sin and rebellion. You've seen it around town, right? In other people. But I tell you, the greatest sin and rebellion that I deal with is right here in me. And I think the same is true for you. The nations still rage as do our hearts. So tell me again, what is it that's so great about following this Jesus? Even as we ask this question, then with Peter, now today in this text, we get a glimpse of the glory, of the glory life with Jesus that we've been hungering for. We maybe get a tease of the good life. Maybe in our family, a a season of rest and joy after a season of difficulty, right? You've all had that. We come in and out of those seasons. And when that season of rest and joy comes, when that glimpse is before us, suddenly then we want to barge in on God and interrupt all the other voices and say to God, more of this, please. I can even help. I've got some big ideas for you, God. Some big plans. Three tenths coming right up, God. But God the Father won't have it. He clipped off Peter's words. May he also clip off, even as he does, our words, our schemes, our word, wills for him. And what does he say? God the Father, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. See beyond the moment. See beyond Moses and Elijah and all the glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And as the word of God is opened to us in all of our days and all of our Sundays, we will find Jesus throughout it. And we won't just see him, but we will hear him speaking. Words of creation. Let there be, and there was. Words of recreation. I baptize you in my name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I make you my own. And so we are. Words of the absolution which we had already today, I forgive you all your sins, and he does. And words of the supper that we will soon have, receive my body and blood as a new covenant, and we will, and we do. If you look before you, you don't have to pull it out, but that little blue hymnal, or big blue hymnal, on the pews in front of you, it's kind of been an okay hymnal. We've got a newer hymnal, but the introduction to it is gold. It was actually written by a man uh, who was my professor while he was still living, and it starts with these words. Our God speaks, and we listen. Our God speaks, and we listen. He gives gifts, and we receive. Yes, it is true that after all that, we say, Amen. Let it be so. Yes, it's true that here in worship, we sing hymns and songs, but but really, those hymns and songs, when they are at their best, are just that amen stretched out where we recall Jesus' words to us and we sing them out loud again. His words, His promises, His gifts. Oh, we are absolutely the right people in the right place today. For the crucified and risen Lord is in our midst, and He is still speaking and He is still giving His gifts. At times we have not listened. At times we maybe interrupt God with our own wills, our own plans, and a humbling normally follows. Even the Father himself humbling us. 
But these come so that our mouths and our ideas and our wills are stopped. And in those moments when we are stopped, there is Christ. He is living, he is active, he is speaking, he is giving. It could kind of be done there, but this is a big Sunday. This is Transfigure Sunday. It's a shift for us. At Christmas time, we were in the first chapters of Matthew and Luke with the birth of Christ. In recent weeks, we have been in the next chapters, Matthew 4, 5, and 6. But now today, we jump all the way ahead to Matthew 17. That's some herky-jerky Bible reading there. But it's for our purpose. On the church calendar, it's for the purpose of taking us and shifting us in time into this new time that's before us, beginning this week, and in the Sundays to come, the season of Lent. For the birth of Christ with its miracles, to the miracles of Jesus early in his ministry, we might be enticed with Peter to say, it's good, Lord, to be here. Let's build some tents. Let's camp on this spot. Let's never move from here. But the Father won't have it. Because, you see, the Son was born with a mission. And he won't let us interfere with that mission. He intervenes, the Father does, and he says to us, listen to Jesus. And by the end of our text here in Matthew 17, Jesus is headed down the hill again. He's headed into the valley of the shadow of death, in fact. And maybe some of us are too, or our loved ones at least, or a friend. But make no mistake, Jesus heads down into those darker parts of the world, the darkest parts of all, with a purpose. And as he heads out, Jesus sees that there's Peter and James and John crouched in fear, humbled by the Father. And he sees you and me and us with our fears also. And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus do? The text says this, And Jesus came and he touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And he led them down that hill into the valley of the shadow of death, and he led them into the church's first Lent. And he leads us now into our season of Lent. And before any of them or us make it to the grave, he went to the grave ahead of us by way of the cross that he did not deserve. And in our baptism, he took us and brought us to himself and took us to that cross also. And yet when they took him down from the cross and took us down from the cross with him, by nature of our baptism, our sin, our guilt, and our shame were left behind. And Jesus rose on the third day, and just as he rose, he promises to raise us too. In fact, on that day, he'll say, rise and have no fear. Peace be with you. And so because Jesus speaks, we rise in peace. We rise in peace at our baptism, at the absolution, and the supper soon to come when we'll rise up again from the rail. We rise at peace at the end of the church service and go our ways to serve our many neighbors in our homes, right next to our homes, in the workplace, around town. And at the end of days, we will again arise in the great and final peace when he says, rise and have no fear, rise to eternal life. Oh, we are absolutely the right people in the right place today because Jesus is here. The crucified one is alive and with us and he speaks words of promise and grace to us. And these words of promise and grace fall upon our ears 
and our very lives. God has made it so through Jesus. Together we say, Amen.